Hey there, welcome back to a new episode of the Liberators Network podcast. My name is Christian Verwijs, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about what it looks like to ship fast in healthy Scrum environments. And the reason why we wanted to make an episode about this is because when we talk about zombie Scrum, as we do in our book, the Zombie Scrum Survival Guide, people often recognize a lot of that in their own Scrum team or the organization they work in. But then the question is, okay, what should it look like? If you're working in an environment of healthy Scrum, what would you observe instead? So that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. And just so you know, we're going to be reading a part of our book. Um, So if you already have our book, you may recognize some parts of it. But if you haven't, this is also a good introduction to the way we talk about zombie Scrum and healthy Scrum in our book, The Zombie Scrum Survival Guide. You can get your own copy if you don't already have one at zombiescrum.org. But before diving into the meat of this episode, I want to take a short moment to thank four new friends who joined to support the show. Sayed Vakas Masoud, Luis Martinez, Michael Card, and Daniel Smith. Thank you so much for joining us and for supporting this podcast, all the other content that we create and the meetups that we host. As you may know, most of the content that we create is freely available. Not all of it, but most of it. And our patrons are really what makes that possible for us. So if you think what we do is useful, if the content that we create is helpful to you or your team, and you're not already supporting us, maybe you would like to consider supporting us too. We'd be very thankful for it. Um, And it's just a good way for, for us to keep creating content like this. But having settled that, let's dive into the episode. Enjoy! The Benefits of Shipping Fast Can you afford to burn money on features that have little to no value? Are the expectations of your stakeholders likely to remain the same over time? Do you have no competitors for your products? And can you predict with absolute certainty that your users or customers find value in your ideas? We're quite sure that neither of these are the case for your team, as they won't be for nearly all Scrum teams. Your need to ship fast is strongly tied to the inherent risks of the complexity of developing your product. If you ask us to capture the purpose of the Scrum framework in one sentence, it is to deliver done increments to stakeholders with a frequency that is high enough to avoid wasting money and time on something that just doesn't catch on with them. In other words, it's all about learning as quickly as possible where the risks are and how to avoid or prevent them. What fast enough looks like in your environment or your product depends very much on your organization's capabilities and the product that you're working on. But it's probably closer to one or two weeks or even a single day than once every few months. The more complex your work, the faster you need to learn. Complexity in your environment. Now, when we say something like the more complex your work, the faster you need to learn, people usually understand the idea. But then again, what kind of complexity are we talking about? Because in this case, we're talking about two types, complexity in your environment and complexity in your product. Let's start with complexity in the environment. Because you cannot plan success in a complex environment and because you're able to understand it only in hindsight, successfully solving complex problems requires the use of feedback loops. 
You need to know what's going on so you can make sense of the situation and react accordingly. The sprint review is only partially helpful in this regard if it is used to inspect your product and validate assumptions within the boundaries of your organization. Shipping fast allows you to inspect your product within the environment in which it's actually used. And this is what really counts. You get fast feedback on your product and learn from that feedback as quickly as possible. Was your thinking correct? How does the market react to your ideas? What do you need to adapt? Shipping fast also allows you to respond to changes in the market more quickly. Imagine seeing an opportunity and actually being able to exploit it within a few weeks time. Organizations that are burdened with long release cycles simply miss these opportunities, mired in their own ineffectiveness as competitors snatch them up. When you're able to ship fast, you can turn ideas into value within a very short time frame, depending on what the business needs. That's what agility really means. Now contrast this with virtually all the zombie scrum organizations we've seen. They shut themselves off from the outside. They become mindless machines churning out huge piles of features in big bang infrequent releases. The rare feedback they receive from the outside requires a lot of time to be processed and usually doesn't even reach the people that are building the product. These organizations stumble along like stiff zombies, losing a limb here and there, but not really noticing the difference. But complexity in your environment is only one part of the equation. Complexity can also lie in your product. One characteristic of complex problems is emergence. Here, seemingly straightforward activities result in a cascade of unexpected work. These are the uh-oh moments when developers catch on to the fact that what was assumed to be a small change turns out to be much more challenging than imagined. For example, when a stakeholder casually asks if the feature supports an obviously crucial mobile device and the whole scrum team collectively face palms because nobody ever considered that option. Or when a scrum team works deep into the night to resolve an ever-growing list of issues that arise during the deployment of a large and complicated release. Work on complex problems has the tendency to rapidly snowball into more work than expected. Anyone who has worked on complex problems has learned, often the hard way, that it is better to start with a small, stable system and carefully grow it over time. Instead of integration hell at the end of a long-running project, we make tiny changes and get our system back to equilibrium as quickly as possible. This process constitutes a rapid feedback loop of adding instability in the form of development work and returning to a stable state as quickly as possible. That way we avoid the sometimes catastrophic effect of delaying integration work, which makes it much easier to survive in a highly dynamic environment. Now, improvements in software development tools have made it easier to simplify and automate integration, testing and deployment. As a developer, you can check in your code and trigger an automated pipeline in which changes are built, pushed to a test environment, and if everything goes smoothly, pushed into production. This means that you can have new working software every couple of minutes. Not every business needs to operate at such a rapid pace, however. But this style of working dramatically shortens the time it takes for developers to obtain feedback. It lets them know immediately when they made a mistake and reduces the complexity of working on a product together.
Now, it probably doesn't come as a surprise that organizations that suffer from zombie scrums struggle to ship fast. Although they work in the rhythm of sprints, new features are delivered to customers only occasionally, without a desire to increase the pace. All sorts of excuses are made for not shipping faster. For example, that the product is too complex, that technology doesn't support it, or that customers aren't asking for it. These organizations view shipping fast as a nice-to-have, a luxury. But they fail to see that they are missing the benefits of obtaining frequent feedback on the quality of their work. The result is a vicious cycle. The zombified use of Scrum raises barriers to shipping faster. And not shipping faster amplifies the zombie Scrum symptoms in themselves. There are many reasons why organizations don't ship fast or try to ship faster. We talk about many of these reasons in far more detail in the Zombie Scrum Survival Guide. So if you want to learn more about that, I highly recommend checking out a copy of our book. But I think you can summarize many of those reasons by stating that organizations generally don't understand how shipping fast or releasing frequently is a competitive advantage. It allows you to reduce the risk of complex work, to avoid wasting money and time on things that aren't necessary. And no matter what kind of organization you are, that is a good thing to have. And most organizations that suffer from zombie scrum don't see that advantage yet. But again, if you want to learn more about this, our book gives you more background. For the sake of this episode, we will now jump to healthy scrum. What does it actually look like in a healthy scrum environment? In healthy scrum... Scrum teams work in a sprint-based rhythm where every iteration results in a new version of the product that can be potentially released. We call this the increment in the Scrum framework. At the end of a sprint, the increment should be in such a state that it can de be deployed with the proverbial press of a button. So all testing has been done and quality is assured, installation packages are ready and support documentation has been updated. Whether or not to release is up to the product owner, but if they decide to release, it can be initiated right after the sprint review. If the product owner decides not to release, the work the team has done will be released as part of a subsequent sprint. Either way, the work the team put into getting everything release ready wasn't wasted. Now it's important to emphasize that the product owner makes the final decision to release the increment, as they are responsible for maximizing the value of the work done by the development team. This decision is informed by his or her interactions with the development team and stakeholders. Even when the increment is fully ready to release, that is, it meets the definition of done, the product owner may decide to postpone, for example, for one of the following reasons. The first is that a release would bring the product into a state where it is more likely that users will run into issues, problems or bad performance. For instance, a critical business rule may not be working well or feedback from stakeholders during the sprint review wasn't all that positive. Another reason is that a release may require work from stakeholders that is unacceptable at this time. This is particularly evident in products that also involve hardware. Stakeholders would probably run into droves of issues if they had to replace the hardware every sprint. Yet another reason is that a release might bring avoidable risk for the brand, for the organization or the product that is based on current market conditions. 
For example, releasing new cash register software during the peak of the Christmas shopping season could probably be postponed by one sprint if nothing is broken in the product. In organizations that suffer from zombie scrum, each reason could easily turn into an excuse to release once a year, or only when the product is entirely done. But in environments of healthy scrum, product owners understand that frequent releases are the best way to mitigate the risk of complex work. They also understand that the reasons not to release indicate deeper hidden impediments that need to be resolved. For example, if releases frequently don't take place because it's difficult to continuously retrain users, it begs the question why small incremental changes necessitate continuous retraining in the first place. Perhaps the Scrum team needs to work on improving the usability of the product so that users don't need to be retrained. In healthy Scrum, releasing is no longer a binary action. Product owners are continuously making trade-offs. They understand that there is a whole field of options between release nothing at all and release everything. Organizations that suffer from zombie Scrum often see a release as something that either happens or it doesn't. But when organizations practice healthy or professional Scrum, they understand that there are many different release strategies. We'll give you some examples. The first strategy is one where you deploy increments to production while keeping new features disabled with so-called feature toggles that are turned on once a coordinated marketing campaign or some other moment is, has passed. The feature toggles basically make the new features invisible to users until they are turned on. So you've actually deployed everything to production. It's running there, you know it's deployed well, and you can turn it on when it's the right time. Another release strategy is to deploy new increments in a staged manner, starting with users who are eager to experiment and accept the risks of new features, and then moving on to more risk-averse users. The practice of deploying new releases in a series of alpha, beta, and final releases is a good example of this strategy. Another option is to add a labs toggle to your product, where people can opt in to turn on experimental new features. Another strategy is to deploy new increments as alternatives. For example, LinkedIn frequently deploys new features where users can choose to go back to an older version while they are starting with a new version. So that way users can be presented with a new screen that implements new features or a new user interface, but they always have the option to go back. This is also a great way to gather feedback about how many people actually switch back and you can then reach out to them to ask why they switched back. Another strategy is to deploy new increments to small groups of users first and then monitor closely what happens. This is a good example of the canary in the coal mine, which was used in the past by coal mining teams to determine if there were toxic gases in the air. So they actually lit literally brought a canary with them. And when the canary died, that was a good sign that you had to run and get out. Now, when this proverbial canary in the coal mine dies, in your case, the product has significant issues and this small group of users runs into it you know that you have to stop rolling out this, features, this set of features to larger group of users or other people. Another strategy is to deploy a new increment as a version that users can opt into. This is particularly common among hardware-based products where users can decide to stay with their current version of the software 
or switch to a newer version. And finally, you can use something called a soft launch, where you basically launch new features to users right away, but the marketing campaign to draw attention to those features starts later. This gives you the opportunity to test and see if your features are working before the large group of users actually starts using it. Now, what all these strategies have in common is that they enable teams to release their increments in small releases over time instead of a few large ones. And by doing so, teams effectively reduce the risk of each release by limiting the blast radius in complementary ways. Scrum teams can also test new ideas faster, as each strategy gives them rapid feedback on what is happening and how people are using the product. For example, tracking the number of users that revert back to older versions of a feature is a great indicator that a new version needs work. Now, obviously, these strategies require a well-tuned process and technical infrastructure to make this approach possible. Not all product, products are initially capable of being released in this manner. So that's why it's important for Scrum teams to invest in this and for organizations to create that space. Shipping during a sprint. The biggest benefit of improving shipping speed, even when it involves big changes to process and infrastructure, is that it helps organizations build the muscle to respond ever more quickly to what matters to stakeholders. And this is not just reactive, where Scrum teams respond to stakeholders' requests, but it can also be proactive, in which Scrum teams monitor how users interact with the product to gain insights into ways to improve user experience before the users even ask them. To respond to these new opportunities, Scrum teams need not wait for the end of a sprint to release some new improvement. The Scrum framework encourages teams to be able to release at least at the end of a sprint, but if they can release more often, that's even better. So it's only natural that Scrum teams eventually move into a process where tiny releases happen continuously throughout the sprint. This has the added, added benefit of making the various Scrum events even more focused on inspection and adaptation based on realistic live data. No more Big Bang releases. Scrum teams that have developed the capability to ship fast sometimes confide in us that there's only one thing they miss, the big yearly release party. In the old days, a release was a nerve-wracking activity where teams would clear their schedule and sometimes their evenings and weekends to deploy huge increments to production. With such a huge number of changes, the potential for disaster was equally huge, meaning that teams often scrambled to find fixes for a host of unexpected issues. And for such a high-stress, high-pressure activity, it makes sense that the release party was that one moment to collectively sigh with relief for having survived another release. Yes, it's true that teams that ship fast don't live on the edge anymore. But thankfully, release parties can still be had, even in environments where the product is in a constant state of flux, scrum teams still have important milestones to meet, targets to achieve, and stakeholders to satisfy. So instead of celebrating the admittedly awkward achievement of having survived a release, they have more valuable things to celebrate. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. In today's episode, we explored common symptoms and some of the causes for why zombie scrum teams are not shipping fast enough. 
But instead of seeing shipping fast as a luxury or a nice to have, we've seen that shipping fast is one of the most effective ways to mitigate the uncertainty and risk of complex work. It's really at the heart of empirical process control that is the foundation for the Scrum framework. By shipping fast, there are many opportunities to validate assumptions about your product and make adjustments as needed. In the world of complex work, shipping fast really is both a survival strategy and an asset. Now, if you find that your team is struggling to ship fast or struggling to ship faster, you may be interested in the dozen experiments that we wrote in the Zombie Scrum Survival Guide. Each experiment gives you a detailed step-by-step -step description of something that you can do or change to start shipping faster. We wrote all these experiments from the mindset that there is very little that you can change, because that's usually the case in cases of severe zombie scrum. So if you're interested in that, the, a copy of our book may be super helpful there, and I'll put the link to get a copy in the show notes. We also offer a whole bunch of do-it-yourself workshops in our webshop that you can use with your team to make progress yourself. You don't need to hire a facilitator or a host. You can just do it together with the instructions at hand. And it's just our way to support you and all the other Scrum teams out there to ship faster and actually start benefiting from what Scrum makes possible for them and for their stakeholders. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd be super happy with a positive review of the podcast. I know that it takes a bit of time, but a review or a good rating for a podcast makes it easier for other people to find this podcast too and benefit from the material just as you did. In any case, we're always hoping that you want to share it with others, maybe scrum masters in your organization, product owners, developers, everyone who has something to gain from working with Scrum might help them too after all. Having said all that, I want to thank you for taking time out of what is probably a busy day with lots of meetings, Zoom meetings and other activities um, to learn something new in this case about shipping fast. And I wish you all the best in your journey to ship faster. And if you had successes and you have something to celebrate, let us know what it is. We're always super happy to hear what it made possible for you. Take care and see you for the next episode. Bye bye.